Italy just elected a bold conservative as prime minister, and people on the left are predictably maligning her as a fascist. Here in the States, though, we're facing an actual fascistic threat. A pro-life activist was raided by the FBI last week on obscure charges, and in North Dakota, an 18-year-old was killed by a man who took Biden's recent speech to heart, justifying his actions by saying the boy was a, quote, Republican extremist. So troubling times we're living in, but God is on his throne, and I've got proof that he is working now and will claim victory in the end, no matter what. We will end on that note. As always, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. Okay, happy Monday, everyone. We've got a lot to talk about today, some good, some scary. At the end, I am going to encourage you about something I've been thinking about over the past few days as I have traveled the country and met so many amazing people. So even if parts of today's episode make you think, oh my gosh, what in the heck is our country? What is the world coming to? I promise that you will end this episode feeling good about the goodness and the mercy and the sovereignty and the redemptive plan of God. Uh, We're also going to start the episode out with something positive, a source of optimism, at least in the political sphere globally, and that is Giorgia Maloney. I hope that I am pronouncing that correctly. When I visited Italy in college, I noticed that they have a very sing-songy way of speaking. Giorgia Maloney. Did I get it? Did I get it? Any Italian listeners or watchers out there? Um, I want to tell you about this new prime minister of Italy who is making a lot of the right people angry. Here's a clip from one of her recent speeches. È sotto attacco l'identità di genere, è sotto attacco l'identità familiare. Non devo potermi definire italiana, cristiana, donna, madre, no. Io devo essere cittadino X, genere X, genitore 1, genitore 2, devo essere un numero. Perché quando sarò solamente un numero, quando non avrò più un'identità, quando non avrò più radici, beh allora sarò lo schiavo perfetto in balia della grande speculazione finanziaria. Il consumatore perfetto. E questa è la ragione per la quale questa è la ragione per la quale oggi noi facciamo tanta paura. Questa è la ragione per la quale oggi questo appuntamento fa tanta paura. Perché noi non vogliamo essere dei numeri, noi siamo qui per dire che noi non siamo dei numeri, noi difenderemo il valore della persona umana. All right, so let me translate for you. For those of you who are listening to this and not watching on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, there are English captions at the bottom. So here's the part that we played from her speech. She says, they attack gender identity. And what she means by that, she doesn't mean like left-wing gender ideology. She is talking about in the context of this, the identity that we have 
that comes from our biological gender. So she says they attack gender identity. They attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, mother. No, I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number because when I am only a number, when I no longer have an identity in roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators, the perfect consumer. That's the reason why. That's why we inspire so so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear because we do not want to be numbers. Now, this makes a whole lot of compelling sense. If you have listened to any of my episodes with Justin Haskins about the World Economic Forum, about the radical transformation of society, that those at the World Economic Forum and their allies in governments around the world are trying to forge specifically through anti-family, anti-natalist, um, anti-tradition, anti-nationalist, and uh, climate change policies. Um, and she is repudiating that. She is saying that's not the direction that we want to go. Uh, that is not the kind of future that Italy wants. We are going to have a, a future that is marked, that is characterized by our Italian identity, our identity as Christians, our identity as parts of our family, the heritage that we have, not just as Italians and as Christians, but as members of our natural families. She is emphasizing the reality of gender, the importance of gender. In other speeches, she has talked about uh, the importance of the natural family. She uh, she said this in a speech, and I won't play the clip. I'll just read you part of what she says. She says, yes to natural families, no to the LGBT lobby. Yes to sexual identity, no to gender ideology. And again, what she means by sexual identity there is our identity that comes from our biological sex. Yes to the culture of life, no to the abyss of death, no to the violence of Islam, yes to safer borders, no to mass immigration, yes to work for our people. So she is just running straight into the subjects that people today, the GOP in America, even many conservative commentators and activists consider too taboo to even talk about. And in the speech that we played a little bit of a couple minutes ago, she says some other things that I found just really compelling and brave. She says, this is a this is about what we are doing here today. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There is a single answer to all these questions because it defines us, because it is our identity, because everything that defines us is now an enemy for those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves. And so they attack national identity. They attack religious identity. We will defend the value of the human being, every single human being, because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable and like it or not that is sacred we will defend it we will defend god country and family those things that that disgust people today so much we will do it to defend our freedom because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators that is our mission that is why we came here today chesterton wrote more than a century ago interesting that she is quoting gk chesterton i like a lot of what Chesterton said, he was a Catholic theologian, but a lot of Protestants really like Chesterton because of his wisdom. So 
She quotes him saying, saying fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords, swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in the summer. There is an assault on truth and there is an actual battle being waged right now just to defend what is obviously true, whether it comes to gender or the family or national identity. She says that time has arrived. We are ready. Thank you. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. People weren't just going to go along with the left-wing globalist movement forever. There was always going to be a right-wing reaction to that. There was always going to be a nationalist reaction to that. And I understand that that word nationalism makes a lot of people uncomfortable, even on the conservative side, especially Christians, because you have been told that nationalism is synonymous with Nazism, that nationalism is synonymous with fascism, that nationalism is anti-God, is anti-Christianity, and anti-Jesus. That is simply not true. Of course, depending on how you define it, it's important for us to define our terms. But nationalism, in its truest and uh, historic sense is simply putting the interest and the well-being of your country first, even at the expense of, at times, the interest and well-being of other countries. Now, that is only scary to some people when it's coming from uh, the right or when it's coming from especially a Western country. If America says that, if politicians in Britain say that, if there was some rogue politician in Canada who still believed that and said that that would be called white supremacist somehow, that would be called Nazi and, and fascist and extremist and radical and unloving, unempathetic and all of those things. But the fact of the matter is, is that the institutions that have been designated by God to exercise authority over their country are doing the good and the righteous thing by putting the interest and the safety and the security of their people first, because God designated them to be in charge of that country, not all countries. God put the constituents in that particular country to be under the care of the government there, not the people of other countries. That doesn't mean that you hate other countries. That doesn't mean that you think that they are innately less valuable. That doesn't mean that you try to exploit them for the sake of selfish gain. That just means that you are looking after your own people first. Countries are really like families, and we've talked about this before. Um, it, you love your family the most. You love your family first. You put the needs of your children before the needs of other people's children. Does that mean that you hate your neighbors? Does that mean that you hate their families? Does that mean that you think that they're bad, that you think that you are innately superior to the people who live next door, that you don't like their children? No, that's not what they mean. What that means. You love them. You think that they're great people. You want good things for them. But God has given you your family. God has given you the people in your household. That doesn't mean that you don't help your neighbor. That doesn't mean that you don't try to give resources to them when they need it. Of course, but you do not starve your own children to feed the children next door. You don't take food out of the mouths of your kids and give it to some stranger's kids across town because that would be an abdication of your responsibility that God has given you to steward the children that you have. The same thing is true of countries. Countries are like families. We are supposed to look to the well-being of our countries, of our fellow citizens 
First, that is good leadership. That's good leadership. Again, that doesn't mean that other people are not made in the image of God. They're just as valuable. Of course, we know that. We are talking about what good leadership looks like here on earth, and it is putting the interest and the security and the well-being of your people first, whether it's economically, whether it comes to immigration, whether it's social policy, that is the job of every leader. We don't bat an eye when, say, the leader of Zambia says, you know what, I care about my people the most. I love Zambia more than I love Canada, and I care about the well-being of Zambian citizens before I care about the well-being of Canadian citizens. No one would think that that's bad. But for some reason, when other countries do it, when so-called right-wing politicians say that they want to put their country first in Western countries, that's bad, that's evil, that's fascist, that's silly. It's always right to put your country first. It's actually evil, wicked leadership, the kind of leadership that we see in this country today when you sell out the well-being of your own citizens for the betterment of another country, like what both parties in charge in D.C. have done when it comes to the manufacturing jobs in middle America that we have exported to China to their gain and our loss. That is wicked. That is wrong. Also, that we are not willing to secure our own borders, but we are spending billions and billions of taxpayer dollars to secure the borders of Ukraine. I, I, I would love to help in both regards, sure. But when the sovereignty of another country is clearly more important than the sovereignty of your own country, that's not compassion and empathy. That is evil. And it seems like the new leader of Italy realizes that. Georgia Maloney. Now, I don't know everything about her, so I can't say that I agree with her on everything. Uh, I don't know if ultimately she will be able to lead Italy effectively based on the platform that she has articulated. I really hope that she is. And it just goes to show because, you know, conservative leadership was also elected recently in Sweden that people are people are tired. People are tired of This globalist, elitist, left-wing chaos that is being forged by the people uh, at the very top of the totem pole. You can call it populism. You can call it, you know, whatever you want to. But it is in opposition to, um, it is a repudiation of the regime that has held power for a very long time. So let me tell you just a, a little bit more about her and what her um, what her position has been. She has been in Italian politics for a while. She opposed the lockdowns in Italy that killed so many people. She opposed uh, the vaccine mandate and the vaccine passports. And so she was outspoken about that. Um, she called for a travel ban from China into Italy and the other World Economic uh, Forum global leaders like Macron in France said that she was racist for calling that. Italy probably would have benefited from that kind of policy, though. The, some of the things that she says that she opposes, euthanasia, abortion, gay marriage, gay adoption, transgenderism, um, illegal immigration. She says that she stands for life, strong military, Italy first values, and uh, religious freedom. And again, she is more explicit and outspoken on um, a lot of these things than uh, than the GOP, than the conservatives here are. I mean, we've got conservatives in the most conservative states in the country who won't utter a word about LGBTQ issues, who won't say anything about gay marriage. Natural marriage, 
and the natural formation of the family, which has been around for all of human history and which every time and culture has recognized as uh, the natural family and every good civilization has recognized as the building block of any stable society. It, it just in America became uh, legal in 2015. So seven years ago in already conservative Christian politicians won't even touch it. And this woman is saying, look, I care about Italy. I care about what has always been the building block of good civilizations. And that is uh, the the family. That is the strong family. I care about that identity. I care um, about I, I care about how it affects children and how it affects future generations, how it affects our understanding of heritage and tradition. And I want to try to uphold that as a Christian, as an Italian, as a mother and good for her. You might not agree with her, but guess what? That doesn't make her what the New York Times says that it does, and that is a fascist. Can you believe it? Surprise, surprise, because a woman believes in the definition of the family and the definition of gender that everyone has agreed on for millennia, if not for all of time. Because of that, she is a fascist. She's just like Mussolini. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that reaction, which will transition us into the rest of our episode in just a second. But let me pause and tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Public SQ. SQ is short for Square. Public Square is an app where you can go and you can discover different businesses and services that align with your values. I know you're like me, you're tired of wondering if you are giving your money to corporations that hate you and actively oppose the values um, that you hold. That can be really hard. I say that from experience to kind of pick and choose who you're going to give money to based on the value system um, that they put forward. And that is why Public SQ exists. They are making that easier. You go on the app, you download it, you create an account, and you can find businesses near you that align with the principles that you have. So if you want to find a clothing store or a coffee shop that's not donating to causes and politicians that you don't like, that are actively fighting against you, um, then you can find that. And you can also list your own business. If you are a freedom-loving American and you want to make sure that other people like you can find your business, just uh, list your business at Public SQ. Download their app wherever. You get your apps on your phone and you can start right away. You just uh, create an account and you begin your search. Go to Public SQ. That's Public SQ. All right. So surprise, surprise, the New York Times says um, polls have closed in Italy. This is yesterday, a pivotal election that could lead to Giorgia Maloney, a far right leader with post-fascist roots. What is post-fascist roots? Becoming the nation's first female prime minister. Oh, my goodness. This isn't a win for feminism. This isn't uh, uh, us conquering worldwide misogyny. Wait, why isn't this a victory for intersectionality? This woman taking charge. I'm so confused. I don't understand the New York Times. Can you break it down for me? The New York Times also says Giorgia Maloney, who is set to become Italy's first far-right leader since Mussolini. 
since Mussolini. We got to make the comparison to Mussolini. There were so many other ways that they could say this that didn't make it seem like they were comparing her to the fascist dictator, murderous dictator. Mussolini, they could have said the most conservative leader they've had for in a while, the first right wing leader they've had in a while. They could have said they could have just said the first female leader, because, you know, that if she were left wing, they wouldn't have said anything about her ideology. They would have just said the first female leader because the left likes to pretend like leftist values are just completely neutral and universally compassionate and good. And anyone who opposes that is evil and fascist. So that's what they're doing here. Giorgio Maloney, who is set to become Italy's first far right, far right leader since Mussolini, says she supports Ukraine and has moderated her harsh views on Europe. But European leaders are watching with caution and some trepidation. Look, I'm also watching with caution and some trepidation because I don't like to get super excited about leaders that come out strong and they seem like they align with their value, with our values, and then they end up backing off because of political pressure. So we'll see. Um, I'm excited about what she says. I really admire her courage and just like saying it. Like she's not caveating it or over nuancing her views. She's just like saying it like it is. Um, and I really appreciate that. But I am also watching with a little bit of caution because I have learned, we've all learned the hard way not to put your eggs in any one politician's basket, no matter how great they sound. And the New York Times, other outlets, a lot of left wing blue check marks on Twitter are all kind of freaking out about her and saying that she's a fascist Nazi, all of these things. And I just wonder at this point, like, who does that actually persuade? And is it meant to persuade? Is that kind of language actually meant to persuade people? Or is it just kind of what they do at this point? Or do they really think that? Like, has the left really convinced themselves that anyone to the right of Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney is a fascist? And so they really think that they are doing the right and virtuous thing? Or is it a call to arms for their side? Is it to activate and agitate? Is it to try to associate anyone who believes in the traditional natural family with fascism so there is even further vitriol and hatred? Uh, from the left side. Now, some people will say it's not to persuade at all. Um, it's not even to fear monger because the people that they're speaking to already believe that anyone to the right of Liz Janey is a fascist. And so it's just kind of, I think Steve Day said on Twitter, it's like just confirmation. However, you know, and and this is kind of similar to the conversation that I see people saying on Twitter a lot, like it's pointless to point out the hypocrisy of the left or it's pointless to say like who the real racist is or whatever, which side is actually racist. And part of that might be true, but I think that they are disregarding a large segment of people who consider themselves center right and moderate, especially a lot of women who actually do who actually do need to see the hypocrisy of the left and who actually are, um, on the flip side of that, convinced by language like what the New York Times is saying that this lady is a fascist. Like, I do think that they are susceptible to those kind of arguments. Like, there's a very emotional, mushy middle that they probably consider themselves personally conservative, but are still like persuaded by writers at the New York Times and can very easily 
uh, be manipulated into saying, oh, well, I don't want to associate with her or I don't want to associate with anyone on the far right. I don't want to be called a fascist. I don't want to be called um, a racist. And if the New York Times calls it like that, then it must be true. So I'm just going to consider myself a moderate. I'm going to nuance myself into not really having any position at all. Um, I think there's a large portion of the mushy middle who actually is kind of persuaded by language like the New York Times is putting forward fascism, racism, etc. And actually, they do have to, um, they do, we do have to point out to them that that's actually not true, that there is a form of fascism that exists. And the real fascists around the globe and in our country today um, are simply not on the right. They're not on the right. And I know that some people will say, well, fascism is by definition, a right wing thing. Well, it's a totalitarian thing. It's really not as simple as saying that it is right and left. It's really defined by the wedding of corporate and elite and government power and um, using that power to crush political dissent. And if anyone has a monopoly on that wedding of power today, it is the left in this country. And I'm going to give you some examples of that. The first example that we have is this terrifying story that you might have seen over the weekend um, where a pro-life activist named Mark Hawk, Hawk, I'm not really sure how to pronounce the last name. I will say Hawk for now. Uh, Mark Hawk, uh, he is the founder and president of the Kingsmen, which promotes, they say, healing for victims of porn addiction and promotes Christian virtues among men in the U.S. In Europe, he lives about two hours outside of Philadelphia, and he drives into Philly every Wednesday and spends about six to eight hours at two different abortion centers doing sidewalk counseling. So he'll pray for women who are going into the clinic. He will speak to them and he uh, tries to steer them towards pro-life organizations. This is a strategy of a lot of pro-lifers. These are some of the most dedicated pro-lifers and committed and compassionate Christians that you will meet who are spending time that they could be doing a million other things, trying to persuade and minister women to not walk into clinics and have their babies slaughtered. Like that is an absolutely worthy and selfless way to spend your time. Last year, Mark took his 12-year-old son, he has lots of kids, he took his 12-year-old son to um, the sidewalk counseling with him, and he says that for weeks and weeks, a pro-abortion protester, a man, would get in his son's face and say really crude and inappropriate and disgusting things, and he says that the man would say things like, uh, your dad is a... Um, inappropriate word for a gay person that some people might use that starts with an F and other worse statements to the boy. And as you can imagine, as a parent who is so protective um, of your children, if someone is degrading your son like that, especially if they're saying something with a sexual innuendo, I mean, that is really hard to show restraint. But I also understand why Mr. Hawk, why he brought his son with him, because you want you want to bring your son into ministry. You want to bring your kids into that. You want to show them what it means to stand up against op uh, opposition and persecution 
and to show them what it looks like to be courageous and show um, compassion. And I'm sure it seems like from what Mark is saying here um, that his patience had just worn Then he told the man, he says, to leave his son alone, but the man kept talking to the boy and eventually entered the boy's personal space. So uh, Mark says that he shoved the man away from his 12-year-old child and the man fell back. Now we hear that all of this is on video. I have not seen the video released yet, so it might not be public. If it's public, I haven't been able to find it, but apparently this is all on security cameras. Now, the man did not sustain any injuries, but he tried to sue Mark in the district court of Philadelphia, but the case was thrown out. They said, look, you don't really have a case. People like shove people to the ground all the time. I'm not saying that assault is okay. I'm not saying that that... um, that assault in general or shoving people to the ground is okay. But if you're doing it in defense, especially defense of your child, if someone enters your child's personal space, it goes beyond words to the point where you think that your child might be physically injured. Yeah, I think that the least that you can do is shove that person backwards. And so the case was thrown out. There was no case. He tried to sue him um, and uh, it just wasn't a legitimate case, obviously. And yet, This past Friday, September 23rd at 7 a.m., 25 to 30 FBI agents pounded on the door of Mark's rural home and yelled for the family to open up. 25 to 30 FBI agents with guns pointed at Mark and his family knocked on the door 7 a.m., and said, open up. Mark went to the door and he said, please, I'm going to open the door, but please, my children are in the home. I have seven babies in the house. You would think, you would think that at some point they would say, you know what? Like, this is not, this is not necessary for us to show this level of force. But Mark opens the door and the agents point their guns at Mark and his wife named Ryan Marie and instructed the kids to go upstairs. Ryan Marie reports afterwards, the kids were all just screaming. It was all just very scary and traumatic. Yeah, I can imagine. And the agents put Mark into a vehicle, did not give Ryan Marie the warrant until she asked about it. That's unconstitutional. Seems like the the Fourth Amendment is just out the window. At, at this point, Ryan Marie says that they said that they were going to take him whether they had a warrant or not. This is what it looks like for the DOJ to be above the law. The warrant charges Mark with violating the freedom of access to clinic entrances, which I have learned is a very obscure law that is rarely, if ever, actually enforced. And it is apparently they claim that he attacked a patient escort. They contend that he shoved an escort in their press release. They call it a reproductive health center, which is not neutral language, by the way. So that tells you the um, that tells you the ideology of Joe Biden's and Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. Uh, Mark was taken to the federal building in downtown Philadelphia. Local pro-life advocates are sponsoring a a fundraiser for the Hawks. We will put the link uh, to that in the description of this episode, both if you're listening and if you're watching on YouTube, and held a prayer rally at the Philadelphia Women's Center abortion facility on Saturday, September 24th um, at noon. So that is what has gone down with Mark Hawk. Um, So Mark, he admits that he shoved someone. He gives the reason for it. 
And now the federal government, even after the case had already been thrown out of court in Philadelphia, the federal government, under the direction of Joe Biden and Merrick Garland, showed up at this pro-life activist house, armed, a SWAT team, I guess prepared to kill him if he didn't perfectly comply exactly how he how they wanted him to in front of his seven children because he shoved a harasser to the ground. And even if even if it were true, by the way, that say he had violently shoved this guy to the ground, say that he really had gone out of his way to shove this person to the ground who was escorting a woman into the clinic to slaughter her baby. Does that really require a SWAT team to come into his house? Like, they knew that he was not physically dangerous. There was no indication of that. They knew that he had children in the home. He warned them of that. There was absolutely no reason for them to come at him in this way, except for intimidation. Keep in mind, the DOJ made no charges, no arrests that we know of concerning the series of attacks on pregnancy centers just a few months ago after the Dobbs decision was released. There was arson, there was vandalism, there was intimidation, threats of violence. No progressive activist from Jane's Revenge had her house raided by a SWAT team of 30 armed FBI agents. That's because this is not about justice or punishing violence. This is not even about this particular pro-life activist. This is about you. They want you to see this story and think, whew, I'm glad that's not me. Now I know not to go pray at abortion clinics. Now I know not to do anything that might put me in a situation where the DOJ will be able to find something to use against me. I won't go to a conservative protest, no matter how peaceful it is. I won't go to a conservative event. I won't stand on a street corner and pray for people. I won't say uh, I I won't say out loud that, hey, I think that elections should have the utmost integrity. I won't own a, a bakery or a florist shop and attempt to live according to my values because the progressive powers that B, will find a way to weaponize the state against me until I comply. Those are all things that are happening right now. I've heard Dennis Prager say in all the history of leftism, of progressives being in power, they never allow dissent. Ever. You cannot find a left-wing government in the history of the world that allows, that tolerates political dissent. And that is true of all totalitarian regimes, not just the technical dichotomy of right versus left. It's just that leftism always tips over into tyranny. Always. Joe Biden was not kidding. In his speech a couple weeks ago, standing against a blood red wall flanked by the military, when he says that he considers you an enemy of the state. Now, Joe Biden may not personally think so because he may not personally think at all, but his people do because Biden is a puppet. His administration is extreme, totalitarian, fully prepared and equipped to punish political opponents, all the while pretending you are the fascist and they are the protectors of democracy. That's where we are. People getting arrested, not because they pushed someone back from their son who was being harassed, but because you, they view you, those who hate abortion, who hate the genital mutilation of children, 
who are opposed to the extremist and deleterious climate change agenda, who don't want the radical change of society that the World Economic Forum and their allies and global governments are pushing for, they see you as a threat. And they are using people like this pro-life activist as forms of intimidation. Uh, If there is any fascism that exists in the United States, if there is any example of fascism that exists in the United States, it is this. It is this. We talk a lot about the wedding of governments and corporate power that we see from our from the Democrats that are in power, from our current government, how the Biden administration and big tech come together to censor the speech of people that they don't agree with, um, that they don't like. So don't you see that it is all projection, that it's all a show? And, you know, I said this last week, and I still mean it. I don't understand. I do not understand how a logical thinking person, especially a person who considers themselves moderate or center right, could be on board with the Democrat Party just because you're scared of some boogeyman of Christian nationalism or like threats to democracy from the right, which is a mirage, by the way. I mean, unless you like tyranny, like unless you like the wedding of corporate and government power to try to punish dissent, unless you like political opponents being um, arrested by the federal government and charged. I mean, this pro-life activist is facing 11 years in prison and fines of over $300,000 because he is a pro-life activist. So unless you like that, like in, in, unless you enjoy high crime, unless you enjoy teachers unions and the education system working against children's success, like, and I guess if you like drag queen story hour you like the genital mutilation of kids like if you enjoy those kinds of things and support those kinds of things like if you are having a good time with inflation in the state of our economy then sure like i guess it makes sense to vote democrat i have a really hard time understanding though if you oppose those things like how you could still be on board and look i wished the current gop were more courageous and clear like Maloney from Italy. Unfortunately, many of them are not, but I think that can change. I think that can change. I think we can start electing the right people. I think there is a global movement towards that. And so I am hopeful. I am worried about this DOJ. I'm hoping, I don't even know if this is possible since they are so above the law, but that they are overplaying their hand and that we can get some people in charge who will reign in the absolutely corrupt and unfettered power of uh, the intelligence and security state. Uh, I want to talk to you about another story of the extremism that we are seeing agitated um, on the left by the likes of Joe Biden and by the rhetoric that we are constantly seeing in the media of calling people on the right extremists and fascists and Nazis simply for believing very traditional 
and normal things. So I'll get into that story in just a second. Let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Annie's Kit Club. So Annie's Kit Club offers craft kits for girls and boys, lots of building projects uh, for young woodworkers, even STEM activities for kids who love science and technology. And no matter what kind of crafting they're into, your kids will receive a new shipment every month with all the unique supplies and instructions to make a hands-on project. Annie's Kit Clubs are an easy way to encourage creativity, teach important life skills, and boost your kids' confidence. These clubs are designed so that kids ages 7 to 12 can complete projects on on their own, but they can also be a great opportunity for you to spend time with them. Go to andyskitclubs.com slash Allie. You can subscribe to get a new craft every month and everything that you need for that craft will be included. If you use my link, you'll get 75% off your first month. That's andyskitclubs.com slash Allie, andyskitclubs.com slash Allie. Okay, so I wanted to make sure that I mentioned this terrible terrible story of this teen um and his name is uh Kaylor Ellingson and he was a North Dakota native 18 years old he was struck by a car and killed in McHenry North Dakota by a 41 year old man named Shannon Brandt who believed apparently that this kid was a Republican extremist and therefore he deserved to die. Um, And so let me tell you, let me back up a little bit and tell you uh, what happened. So the suspect, Shannon Brandt, said that he struck Ellington uh, with his car because they had a political argument um, at an event in in McHenry, and he believed that the pedestrian was calling people to come get him. Brandt admitted to leaving the scene of the incident where they had this alleged argument. So Brandt apparently sought him out and um, hit him with his car and then called 911, like told them what happened. And there's a little bit confusion about like what actually went down, what the what the argument uh entailed why this Brant guy seemed so paranoid about what Ellington was apparently like going to do. And Ellington knew that this guy, Brant, was out to get him and was going to try to harm him in some way. Again, there's confusion about like what actually transpired, but Ellington called his mom and was like, mom, I need help. This guy is trying to harm me in some way. I think he's going to get me. And he was hiding. Ellington was hiding in this alley and Brant somehow found him with his car and ran into him and killed him with his car and told the police this guy was a political extremist. Of course, now we are seeing it reported. There's no evidence that he was some Republican um, extremist. There's no evidence that this Brant guy had like any reason to believe that at all. And one of the saddest parts about this is that he posted $50,000 bond on Tuesday, September 20th, Brant, and is now now, uh, released. And so he is walking free after murdering this kid because he said he's a Republican uh, extremist, which, by the way, like even if he had been a Republican extremist, whatever the heck that even means, but even if he had been the most extreme right winger that exists on the face of this planet, that would not justify his murder. So I do kind of think it's weird how this is being reported. There's no evidence that he was a Republican extremist. Okay, so what if there had been? What if he had been the most Republican extremist and he had said terrible things to this guy and he had been 
He had said all these kinds of things that this left-wing Shannon Brandt thought was uh, thought were bigoted. Who cares? It doesn't justify killing an 18-year-old. Have you heard a peep about this story from the Biden administration who, again, just a couple weeks ago, called Republicans extremists, said they're a threat to the republic, a threat to democracy. We have to get rid of that threat. This Shannon Brandt person is just taking that to its logical conclusion. He's just taking Biden's speech seriously. And look, I don't think that it is right to connect every action that someone in a political party does with the rhetoric of the people in charge of that party. I don't think that's always fair. I don't think it's always fair, but it is pretty darn clear that it is correlated at the very least. Maybe it's not a completely causal relationship, but it is absolutely correlated when the president of the United States stands up there and says, we have to do something about this Republican extremist threat to democracy. And someone simply takes his words to heart and does something about it. Are we really that shocked? Are we really that shocked when a left winger traveled from California to Brett Kavanaugh's house to kill him because he was scared of Roe v. Wade? Like when you watch MSNBC or you watch CNN or you look at Twitter or you hear what the president of the United States says or what the press secretary says or what Merrick Garland says about the people who are opposed to Democrats, when you hear what they say and how they describe us, are you really all that shocked that there are people out there that simply take the next logical step? Because that's what this is. And apparently... Apparently, though, you're not supposed to make that correlation. You're not supposed to make that relationship because remember, remember, it's just right wingers who are extremists. It's just you. It's just you pro-lifers. It's just you who are against the genital mutilation of children. You're the extremists, not the ones out there killing teenagers simply because they have some kind of alleged political disagreements. But this is what that kind of attitude and that kind of mission that currently characterizes the left wing is going to continue to produce. So you see in these two stories how they have us sandwiched. Like you see how they have people at the top, the DOJ, saying um, if you defend yourself against our voters, if you defend yourself against our activists and the people on our side, if you push back, when you are pushed or you are threatened or you are harassed, you're the one that's going to get in trouble. So don't even try to defend yourself. That's what they're making sure of. They're making sure that you are going to be a victim of violence from all the people down here. They're activists. Uh, they're voters. And then if you try to fight back, they're going to make sure the people at the top at the DOJ do something about it. It's not going to be the leftists that inflict violence, that inflict violence who are going to get in trouble. It's going to be you. They're making sure of that. You see that? You see how frightening that is? By the people who call you a fascist? The people who say they're protecting democracy? The people who say they want freedom? You know, I don't think that we live and die by elections in this country. I know that we have all been disappointed by the people that we have voted for. We all wish, as I said, that our Republican politicians had a little more spine. Um... And of course, ultimately, as Christians, we know that our hope isn't in the elections or our politicians. We understand that. But man, this election in November matters. It matters who you vote for. It matters that you vote. 
even if it is simply a vote against the Democrats, even if it is a vote against uh, the people who are going after parents, concerned parents at school board meetings, aka the current DOJ, even if you are just voting against the totalitarianism that we are seeing on the left, even if you're not so sure about the guy that you are voting for, I guarantee you it is better than voting for the bad guys. Because that is what it is at this point. They're the bad guys. And when you wake up to that, a lot of things start making more sense. Um, All right. Now, I promised you some encouragement, so I will give you some encouragement. First, let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Cozy Earth. I love Cozy Earth. I love their sheets. I love their loungewear. Uh, Everything they have is made from 100% viscous from bamboo, which means they're breathable and moisture wicking. I know when we have our Cozy Earth sheets on versus the sheets that we have from other brands, I can really tell a significant difference. And honestly, it makes a difference in how well I sleep at night. But I also love their loungewear sets. This would be a great gift, by the way, a great Christmas gift or if you like your uh, significant other or whoever you're giving a gift to has a birthday coming up. These are just like really high quality, really comfortable uh, loungewear sets. I love to wear mine in the winter months. Just great, great stuff. For a limited time, save 35% on Cozy Earth Bamboo Bedding. Go to CozyEarth.com slash Allie to save 35% now, all backed by a 100-night sleep guarantee. So sleep on them 100 nights, don't like them, send them back. Go to CozyEarth.com slash Allie to save that 35%. CozyEarth.com slash Allie. All right, kind of scary times, my friends scary times um, that we are living in. And even if even if there is a red wave this November, even if the there are politicians that take charge that we really like and really do have a backbone and do things that we want and oppose the Democrat Party, like even if we have all of that, we still live in a depraved and a corrupt world. And unless there is a revival, a spiritual reawakening I'm not so sure that we can hope in things getting that much better. We can hope for political change. I think that's fine. We can hope for cultural and social change and work for those things. You know, I think that's fine. As we often say, politics matter, policy matters because people matter. Politics affects policy. Policy affects people. By the way, you heard that phrase here first. We've been saying that alliteration for a very long time. So you know all of those things uh, to be true. And yet... And yet we also recognize that this world is not our home, that our citizenship is first and foremost in heaven and that uh, our king is Jesus. Our hope is Christ. Our eyes are on the things that are above. Our focus is not on the things that are transient and temporary. This world, no matter who is in charge, is passing away. It is dying. It is decaying. Uh, The hope and the home that we have is eternally in heaven. And one day, Jesus will take complete control and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be no more politics. There will be no more partisanship. There will be no more sorrow or sadness or sickness. And we will all live together as Christians in perfect peace and in joy with Christ. That is what we have to look forward to. But I also want to give you hope and encouragement that God is working. He is doing things right now, every moment of every day. He is using Christians for his glory and the good of other people. 
That I promise you. I've been traveling the country a lot over the past few weeks. I don't typically travel as much as I do now, but I've been speaking to a lot of organizations at a lot of different kinds of events. A lot of them have been pro-life organizations, pregnancy clinics, uh, different kinds of Christian groups that are just doing amazing work. You haven't heard of most of them. Um, you haven't seen them trend on Twitter. The work that they're doing is not making headlines unless it's a left-wing rag that's trying to demonize them or slander them in some way. And yet I can promise you from the testimonies of the people that have been affected and served by these organizations, by the lives that have been saved, that God is working through the unsung and unseen obedience of Christians on a daily basis. I um, spoke at an event for Houston Pregnancy Center recently, and a table of moms stood up, all with babies that had been born in the past year. And the director of the pregnancy center said, and I immediately just started crying, that all of those babies are alive today because of an abortion pill reversal that is given by Houston Pregnancy Clinic and all of those moms after they took the abortion pill walked in by the grace and direction of God into Houston Pregnancy Center, took an abortion pill reversal. Their baby was saved and is alive today. When you see that kind of work being done, despite the political climate that characterizes the United States today, you know that no political power No state authority is ever going to be able to overcome the plans and purposes of God. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? And there are a lot of people who oppose the work of Christians. We have always been a boil on the back of tyrants. We have always been an impediment to tyranny. We have always been an obstacle to wicked totalitarians. And we still are simply by being a threat to wickedness simply by doing what Christians have done for thousands of years, and that is taking up the cause of the vulnerable, that is caring for and speaking for the people who have no voice. And guess what? You are going to be demonized for caring about life, for trying to protect kids from an ideology that is mutilating their minds and their bodies. You are going to be demonized. You are going to be pushed back against for standing for the natural family. You are because you are swimming upstream. You are going against a very powerful force that does not tolerate opposition. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, Christ says, because I have overcome the world. And that is not to say that ultimately the battle that is happening in the world is right versus left because it's not. There's a lot of unsaved people on the right. Like there's a lot of people uh, on the right that are going to hell that use the name of God in an idolatrous way that are not at all uh, incongruence or they are not at all in alignment uh, with scripture. And so I'm not saying that this perfectly plays out right versus left, but I am saying that the ideology of this age, which happens to be secular uh, progressivism, is anti-God. And Christians who oppose it will be seen as an enemy. And we just have to accept that. And we simply, with courage, have to do the next right thing in faith with excellence and for the glory of God. It doesn't matter what they call you. It doesn't matter what they do. We are on a mission. 
And we are answering a higher calling by standing for the things that we do. We are continuing to raise respectful and peaceful ruckus, but a relentless one for the things and the people that matter. And that's going to make people angry. But I promise you, God can do incredible, life-changing, life-saving things through the simple and the private and the seemingly small obedience of courageous Christians. That pro-life center has been around for decades in Houston, and they have seen abortion centers come and go in their area. They are serving the most vulnerable and the poorest people in their area, despite all kinds of pushback and persecution. Same with an organization that I spoke to uh, in Washington, the different organizations that I'm speaking to across the country. They deal with a lot of opposition, and yet God has shown himself faithful. And so while politics matter, while elections matter, we understand that the sovereignty and authority and good plan of God is transcendent and it surpasses uh, any kind of political or cultural opposition that we face today. And that gives us a lot of hope that we serve a very, very strong and powerful God who promises to declare victory in the end. And in the meantime, all we have to do is simply be obedient. That's what Christians have always done. We are simply carrying the torch that Christians have for millennia. All right, we'll get out of here in just one second. Let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day. It's an amazing one. It's Crowd Health. Uh, if you're looking at an alternative, looking for an alternative to uh, to health insurance, then you need to check out crowd health. Your health is being bought and sold to the highest bidder. Politicians, hospitals, big pharma, health insurance companies make huge profits at the expense of your health. Crowd health puts your healthcare decisions back in your hands, saving you money and cutting out the middlemen. It's not insurance, but it's what insurance should be like. Uh, see any doctor that you want. All you have to do is pay the first $500 and then submit any bills from there. And then the crowd health community takes care of the rest. No doctor networks, no huge premiums or high deductibles. Other health share companies have a maximum limit per incident. Crowd, crowd Health does not. So if your bill ends up being more than you expected, you won't be left to fend for yourself. Crowd Health makes sure that the community that's a part of it really takes care of one another. All you have to do is pay one low monthly total to fund your account, less than $200 for most people, and 100% of your monthly contribution directly funds the health care costs of the community. So stop paying health insurance companies your hard-earned dollars Go to joincrowdhealth.com now and experience freedom from health insurance. Right now, you can get your first six months for just $99 a month. That's almost 50% off the normal price and a lot less than a high deductible healthcare plan. Go to joincrowdhealth.com. Use promo code Allie to sign up. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code Allie. Crowdhealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying healthcare. Term and conditions may apply. Okay, so there's a million other things that I want to talk about, uh, but I don't have time to talk about it today or else this episode will be a million hours long. So we've got a ton to discuss tomorrow. I want to discuss Stacey Abrams saying that a heartbeat in a baby in the womb at six weeks is a myth. It's a conspiracy theory. Apparently, politicians and men coming together to manufacture a sound to manipulate women into keeping their children. That is hilarious and very sad. Gavin Newsom, speaking of abortion, has a campaign ad that is advertising, you know, throughout California or it's advertising California um, in other places. And it's using it's using 
scripture. It's using Mark 12, 20, or 12, 31 to justify abortions. Again, hilarious if it weren't so sad. And so we're going to break all of that down and much more probably tomorrow. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and for watching. Subscribe on YouTube. If you have not already, make sure you like this video as well. That helps us out a lot. And leave a five-star review wherever you listen, if you would. I will see you guys back here tomorrow.